When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, White Sox fans, it is the NICE podcast. Southside Sox mothership podcast, number 69. And we are celebrating phase two, second night of, second week of, for us, I guess it's the second week of, Sox of us. A week ago, we talked about uh, uh, our uh, complaints, right? Our grievances. We aired grievances. And then we podcasted about those grievances. And there was much rejoicing, except then by the time we were done, the sobering realization set in that we're still White Sox fans. And I'm not sure that we're going to be a World Series team in 2022. We don't know if there's going to be a season in 2022. Anyway, it's time for feats of strength. As this is explained to me, we do not have Tommy, Tommy Barbie, the mastermind of our saxophist celebrations, which, by the way, may take us all the way to actual Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa pagan christmas whatever because we seem to be adding more than the actual like two official uh sac uh whatever festivus saxophist stuff uh but we'll talk about that at the end of the podcast uh have with me zach hayes who is going to lead us off with um a very interesting feat of strength uh in the second half uh joe will hop on and talk about his particular feat of strength and uh, how he sees things wrangling out, maybe closest to reality, actually. And uh, we'll also interpret everyone else's, talk about them a little bit, because we got some time. I think we had nine total entries, so we got time to talk about each. Uh, and yeah, at the end, we will talk about maybe what is still to come as we celebrate this very extended sucks. <laughs> hey, welcome, Zach. Hey, Joe. Good to have you guys. Great to be here. Hello. Hello. Happy, hello. Happy Socks of us. I'm glad that you celebrate. It's good to know. We all can sort of share the same faith in this way. Uh, speaking of faith, Zach Hayes, um, the first entry. So you got to lead off our feats of strength. Um, and I would argue the most entertaining, um, the most creative. Um, please, an explanation of exactly what goes on in your envisioned feat of strength as Tony is challenged by, seems like maybe the coaching staff itself. Um, yeah, so I had, I had just been having a conversation with someone about the Tanakh, uh, the Old Testament and all that, uh, specifically the part, the story of King David, uh, and the part where Saul, in order to let him marry his daughter, requires that he bring him, uh, 200 Philistine foreskins to seal the deal. Uh, so my mind was on the book of Samuel, uh, as, as it is, you know, 
after those things. And so, and that's when the prompt to do, you know, feats of strength came on through the, the Slack channel. <laughs> and so, you know, moment of inspiration, what can I say? I have a biblical story uh, based on the tale of Absalom, son of King David, uh, who in this case is bench, uh, bench coach Miguel Cairo, who kind of strikes me as a potential logical predecessor. The, the, the idea here is that the Sox hire from within, you know, not outside, outside candidates aren't really a thing right now under Jerry Reinsdorf. So uh, there's going to be some, I don't know, grand internal battle, which can only be framed by making a biblical allegory of King David and all of his sons slaughtering each other. Right. So you have Miguel Cairo who, uh, First, he takes care of Daryl Boston by inviting him out to, you know, uh, get drunk and shear some sheep, which is as one does in the Tanakh, I guess. Uh, (laughs) uh, And, you know, he says, all right, guys, smite him. And he smites him. And so Daryl Boston is not your next manager, like it or not. Um, Cairo comes back a while later. His big rival is uh, in, in the book of Samuel. It is Yoab. But, you know, I'll call him. Joab McEwing here, you know, mm-hmm. it's spelled like Job, mm-hmm. <laughs> Job mm-hmm. Bluth. I don't know. So uh, <laughs> uh, Job McEwing here is our, our, his big rival. And they mm-hmm. have all of these, you know, he sets up, there's a barley field that gets set on fire. There's a real, real nastiness going on here. <laughs> uh, ultimately there is a big battle and uh, Miguel Cairo gets his head stuck in a bat rack, not an oak tree as happens to Absalom in the, the b- biblical story. Um and uh, he is the one who gets smote in the end. And nice. good old, good old Joe McEwing winds up as the next manager and successor to King King Tony La Russa. Uh, yeah. He's been interviewed. You know, kind of makes sense. There's going to be anyone coming from within. Yeah, I mean, I like that there is actual not that not that this unique uh, in in yours of the the nine or so, but actual murder um, with yes, with sort of the assistance of a bat rack. And so, okay. Maybe the thing that's assumed, or you know, I'm far from um, old, new, or anywhere in between um, Testament scholar, uh, but okay, so how does it end up then that, uh, is yours sort of a more peaceable feat of strength in that when Tony is ready to be g- gone, that's when uh, Job takes over, or is has something happened to Tony before even your scene begins? Is, has he already been smitten or set on fire or, or, or something? Give me that. In the context of Tony, how does this work? Uh, well, the subtext is also that, you know, King David knows that one of his children is going to replace him and stuff like that. Okay. So there's, there's, there's a lot okay. of tension going on here. And okay. then, same thing that happened with him and Saul. So, you know, Tony, there's, there's a lot of paranoia happening. Um, he doesn't want to go. He's not going to go anytime okay. soon. Uh, but, you know, if somebody steps up and says, I am king now, and I don't know, is maybe Rick Hahn is like God in this case or something like that. And he says, yeah, you know, it's it's your time. Like, come on. Or maybe it's Jerry. I don't know. I didn't think the allegory that far through. Oh, no, uh, I just, but, I, yeah, I know. I want to sort yeah, of fill in the corners the, here. The, I guess it could, you could say it's peaceable in mm-hmm. some ways. I kind of left it open-ended like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, if Tony goes, he's going to go on his own accord, or at least they're going to frame it that way. So, yeah, yeah, they did it with Robin Ventura, who might have just slept through his whole firing or whatever. So, yeah, they would do it with Tony as well, being uh, being older and such. Yeah, no, my interpretation reading was that, OK, Tony was this could be a few years from now. It could be already. He could already be gone. But, yeah, in, in some way it was uh, to whatever degree bloodless. You have enough blood. 
I mean, you had the barley fields on fire. Poor Daryl Boston, uh, you know, he took it. Uh, and geez, Cairo, how, how wow. The of a word is smite slash smote. That's what I'm not, you know. How, All right. What again, are the implications there? Again, your own, yeah, your own imagination depends on, you know, the the, uh, the level of R-rated movies that impacted you as a preteen, uh, that, you know, subject to whatever interpretation. Let's run through uh, a few people who aren't here. We're just going to go in the batting order of the article. I'm going to run through them and then we'll have a little discussion before we take our break. Uh, Adrian Serrano wants to make it clear based coming out of his uh, feet of strength. He did not kill Southpaw, the mascot. He is, he's really just, he's the medium. He's reporting. Of course, speaking of graphic, Adrian's uh, feet of strength, rather graphic. There's, I think, pieces being sliced off and somebody's getting split. I think Southpaw gets split into it. It's rough. Uh, and I think the conclusion of uh, Adrian's is that uh, uh, Tony, Tony will not go. Tony has vanquished whatever. He has won the feet of strength. Uh, next up, uh, Keelan came with simple, classic Jim Leland in uh, smoke, chain smoking. Uh, in the showers, uh, dropping his towel. Um, a lot of directions you can go with that. We only got a couple paragraphs. We don't really know where else that was going to go, but I think the bottom line is a guy nearly as old as Tony. I don't think Jim Leland's older, but basically the same age as Tony. He's going to take over. Sort of makes sense. Probably still somehow could be or is a friend of Jerry Ryan's or who knows. And Trooper, Trooper Galactus came in with uh, a Nugenics fueled. Uh, Fury from Frank Thomas seizing control from Tony LaRussa and banded together with Frank Manichino or Ethan Katz, I guess, uh, to, I don't know, create, I don't know, I don't know if there's a, a, a Marvel uh, um, multiverse that's, that's coming out of this or not. But uh, those are the three after Zach. So we got the Southpaw murder, uh, Jim Leland just sauntering in. And Frank Thomas taking over probably with a huge Captain Caveman club. Thoughts, fellas? These are some great outcomes. Oh, my goodness. Yes, I was... Southpaw murdered. Is that a great outcome? (laughs) Yeah, you know, Joe's Joe's more of a Ribian Rhubarb guy, you know. Sorry, Southpaw. Yes, um, I, I'm a big fan of the Frank Thomas one, personally. Um, like, I, I enjoy, like, adding in the humor to those commercials um, that, you know, we've seen so many times. Uh, I uh, am interested in seeing maybe a different side of Frank Thomas that we maybe haven't seen as much of. Um, so... Um, yes, pr- certainly props to Trooper for that one. And I, I like the the reference to the uh, um, the fact that it's okay to hit 300 and hit home runs that Trooper had touched on in his brief write-up. Um, that was a very good um, uh, inclusion. Um, and that's you know, something that, of course, Frank Thomas knew how to do very well. I don't know if, uh, I don't know how it parted. I want to say it didn't part good for Jim Leland with the White Sox. I want to say he felt like he was in line for something that he didn't get. 
I don't really remember the story. It's one White Sox story. I don't really know. But Zach, tell me this. Uh, would Jim Leland have been a better hire than Tony La Russa? Uh, I, obviously, the answer is neither would be good hires. But just to put you on the spot here, who would have been a better hire a year ago? The answer is Jim Leland. Can I, can, can I tell you a Jim Leland story real quick? Oh, God, please. We yeah, got time to fill. Back back in 2017, um, I was at a World Baseball Classic game at Dodger Stadium uh, with some friends from school. I think it was 2017. Yeah, it was 2017. And uh, <clears throat> great time. And it was the USA versus Japan in the semifinals. And uh, Jim Leland was managing Team USA at that point. And it was a great time. Fantastic game. Um, Nate Jones gave up the only run for Team USA. Um as as he did i've said that a few times now uh and it was again a fantastic time and i remember i'm on this is a team college team trip and i'm on the bus the next day and i'm looking at the highlights and i see a press conference in which uh jim leland walks out to the presser and he sits down and completely unprompted before anybody had said anything he says we're here to make America great again. <laughs> I'm like, Jim, can I not, can I enjoy something? Can I like enjoy something for maybe half a day? Half a day. So maybe I, at least Tony keeps his mouth shut sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll say that. I'll say yeah. that much. It, that's a lose lose, but take that as you will. Yes. He's, he kept his, his secret alliance and allegiance is with uh, Adam Eaton under wraps this year. And I guess, I guess that's something we can credit Tony Russo for. Uh, okay, way to go, Jim Leland. Okay, next. Uh, all right, uh, let's take a break. Uh, we're going to address maybe the second half of these Feats of Strength essays. Very creative work on Southside Sox. Hopefully you've already read the story. If not, feel free to pause, check it out. There's just going to be a minute of commercials anyway. So uh, come on back after you've read the story. And if you've read it already, Pick your favorite among the second half because there's another really, there's a bunch of really good ones as well. We'll be back in just a minute. White Sox fans, my name is Brett Ballantini. Don't ever introduce myself as this is just assumed. You should know who I am. Maybe you do. Maybe you don't. I am hosting Southside Sox Mothership Podcast 69 with my good, good friends, Zach Hayes, and of course, Super Joseph Reeses. He's working out of the Indianapolis field office. Good to have him with us. He usually shows up for these. Thank goodness. Because uh, we need it. We need we need some voices here. We've already heard from Zach Hayes about his extremely entertaining, biblical, graphic uh, feat of strength, wherein apparently Joab McEwing at some point, maybe immediately, wouldn't be the worst thing, immediately takes over for Tony La Russa. I'm sort of digging this feat of strength. Uh, but in the second half, we will take the bottom half of the order. We'll take it in order. And again, before we get to Joe, let's just summarize the next couple on our list. Lee Allen, as he is wont to do, humorous Lee, the senior of our staff, has decided that a Clydesdale should take over for Tony LaRusso. Now, we do not get any details about how Tony is trampled or kicked or sat on or run off. Uh, we don't really know the details of the feet of strength. We just know the Clydesdale takes over. And Lee provides some pretty, I guess, sensible reasons why that would be a good idea. And pitching coach, a hen. A hen who in very much of like a Bill Vec back in the day where fans would hold up signs to determine to tell the manager the next move to do, the chicken is going to peck at 
uh, which relief pitcher should come in next. And sometimes I got to admit, it doesn't seem far off from what Tony was doing last year. Um, coming up after that, Tommy Barbie, the man behind our Saxodus celebration. He is absent here, so he cannot explain himself. But I want to say Tommy took it pretty straight. I don't think there was any blood involved at all. He just said, really, a local guy, and in this case, local guy from Indiana, uh, uh, Lloyd McClendon, should take over for Tony LaRusso because he's got plenty of red ass, just like apparently we all love about Tony. And in fact, Lloyd McClendon seems unhinged enough to take it maybe a couple steps farther than maybe Tony LaRusso ever did. I mean, Tony LaRusso picked up third base and chucked it once. Lloyd McClendon just stole first base once. So if we want him crazy, uh, Tommy's got us uh, taken care of because Lloyd McClendon will bring the crazy. Uh, guys, uh, thoughts on um, livestock or even Lloyd McClendon uh, conquering Tony LaRussa in a feat of strength? I mean, a polite pause is fair here, but uh, I've got a lot of yammering. I'm, I'm, I'm like, no, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, sir. Go after. Yeah. McClendon. I like the idea. You, you kindly pointed out that he is the local guy from Indiana. I mean, that's um, a very good, uh, um, that works in his favor for me. And um, yeah, the White Sox have had quite a history lately of drafting um, players from there, uh, even yeah, this year's first round pick. So, um, yeah, I I like that outcome very much. And uh, um, yes, so much creativity here. Um, it is difficult to unpack all of it, but um, yes, uh, that was certainly one of my favorites. Um, write-ups as I was going through it. Joe, before I let you step up to the plate to explain your own feat of strength, I'm going to throw it again to Zach and put him on the spot. Tell me this, Zach. You're just the guy I'm going to go to to give me like a thumbs up or thumbs down on these. Uh, Would a the White Sox have had a lot of bad managers in their history? They haven't had a ton of managers, but given percentage-wise, not really great. Haven't really generated success like maybe other teams have and maybe you're of the thinking that it doesn't even matter anyway but in that thought would a completely random generated decision automaton or livestock in the dugout be better than some white Sox managers or major league baseball managers out there um yeah i invite any you and any listeners to go to the Wikipedia page for non-human electoral candidates. I'm there right now. There's some great stuff on here. And uh, Yo-Yo the Billy Goat back in 1922 was elected a city councilor in Fortaleza, Brazil. Um, An Ecuadorian foot powder company once advertised a product and like, you know, put it in the election and it got elected mayor. Um, Numerous cats across the United States have been elected (laughs) mayors and uh, to other various local governmental positions. So go to this page and then tell me that a horse or a hen or some kind of like early machine learning robot type thing, I don't know, would not produce 
like it would be at least a, an even draw mm, like yeah uh, like <laughs> yeah yeah so to, the short answer is um no totally feasible totally okay. feasible yeah uh robbie when you read robbie the recapper our uh, automatonic uh recapper um he doesn't seem to have a, a great grasp of baseball but i'm pretty confident that robbie the recapper would have at least as you say zach matched tony's performance this year and i'm gonna say probably would would have outdone it because he's getting you know again ai it gets you know wise we haven't seen it from robbie but it gets wiser as time goes on so i'm gonna guess being in there every single game being in the dugout would allow the artificial intelligence i think to grow by leaps and bounds and show growth that I'm not sure Tony did. I guess he did by the end of the season have a better general grasp of the rules. We didn't see because the playoff, um, the playoffs were so short for the White Sox. We didn't see if he had adjusted to, to recognizing that some of the, the nuances of the rule changes from regular season to playoffs. So we didn't really get to test him there, but he didn't, he didn't blow anything in that sense, I don't think. So maybe he, like artificial intelligence, maybe Tony LaRusso learned as he went. He learned to call Uber, I suppose. As far as we know, we don't know yet. Uh, okay, Joe, with that as an introduction, you're batting seventh in this lineup. And you have gone a route that actually the White Sox wanted to do pre-Robin Ventura. They asked Paul Canerco to be a player manager, not, not uh, requiring a feat of strength to do it. He didn't have to mur- murder Ozzy. And Ozzy just murdered himself and left out. Uh, but did ask Paul Canerco to be player manager. And Paul Canerco said, no, uh, but you've taken a very interesting wrinkle and it could well be, listen, everybody's my best friend here. And all of the feats of strength are phenomenal, including Zach Hayes's, but this could well be, it could be my favorite Joe. Please explain yourself. All right. Great. Um, yes. I was going to say, it's kind of tough to follow up on the rest of these, uh, but yes, I, Really, my least favorite thing, perhaps, that happened throughout the course of this year was the whole, uh, the whole, the whole saga with your mean Mercedes, with uh, what happened in Minnesota with the three zero count, and then you know what happened in the coming days as far as um, Larusa. Um, at first, it appeared as though like he may have welcomed it, um, you know, just judging from the fact that, you know, when you're watching the game live and you're, you're enjoying this blowout win over a, a division, you know, a divisional opponent and you're running up the score on them on the road and, you know, there's a, a home run hit on a 3-0 count. Um, you know, I, I watching that live, I thought like, oh my goodness, did Tony LaRussa like give him the green light on that? Like I kind of assumed that he did, but you know, it, it basically, uh, afterward we would learn that it was the exact opposite. Uh, so, um, yeah, really that was my least favorite thing, at least that LaRussa did specifically during the course of the season was, you know, so, to so, uh, clearly, uh, like condemn his own player for for doing something you know as you know innocent as swinging on a three zero count when the other team had stopped trying. That inspired really this uh, this this write up uh, for me. Uh, it's and uh, I 
believe that Tim Anderson really has a very nice spark that he adds to the team. You know, we saw it multiple times throughout the, this season, is, uh, which is that like the team really isn't the same having, um, you know, when he's out on the injured list versus when he's, you know, in the game uh, and, you know, helping the team out. And, uh, you know, I enjoy the idea of like the whole like political debate uh, vibe for this and, mm-hmm. you know, you know, for presidential elections, there are usually, you know, debates on, you know, the economy, uh, uh, social issues, foreign policy, they, they have, they, they talk about various different you know, issues, but in this particular case, you know, his ability to stand up for the White Sox players was just so superior to that of Tony La Russa that they just decided to cancel all of the other rounds. Yeah. I like that part of it, Joe, that the, the, the first, whatever, the first battle, the first feat of strength was such a runaway that the rest of the team just said, forget it. You know, Tim, you're a guy. That's a, that's a major vanquishing. Whether Tim was like the number one seed going into it all in the first place, he might've been him or Jose, I suppose. Uh, but that he won, trounced Tony so resoundingly without any details. We don't know if there's any bloodshed or anything uh, that they just said, okay, forget it, Tim, you got the gig. It's like he pulled the sword out of the, the stone. I, I, I like that. Good. I'm glad. And uh, for, yeah, it was not my intent to have any, any blood in it. I, I could go into <laughs> to, um, some more detail, but uh, it, I, yeah, I wasn't into the whole um, violence thing. You know, I have to have some more, um, you know, calm ones mixed in there, I think. Again, Adrian Serrano wants, he more than made up for everybody else's perhaps lack of gore or just presumed gore. And he, again, wants to make it very clear. He did not kill Southpaw. Southpaw. He did not kill Southpaw. Zach, let me throw it to you. Among the White Sox in the dugout, Joe chose Tim Anderson as the guy who would be able to take a player manager role on do you see it that way? Do you see other guys on the team that would be able to do as good or better job in that role, understanding that it's unlikely to happen outside of the feats of strength world? But if it had to be, uh, or if Tony really did or does snooze through these games, who's running the show? Who would be the most sense in your mind to run the show as a player? I think I'm I'm mostly in agreement with Joe here, but I, I think the natural answer is a um a Tim Jose co-managership uh, of some kind. And you probably have, let's say, let's let Liam Hendricks run the pitching staff. I would okay. say, or, you know, yeah. let's get some kind of a, a, you know, we won't call it the, the college of coaches, but we'll, mm. um, we'll, we'll, you know, go some, something by committee. We'll have something mm. a little bit, um, a little bit communistic here. Uh, mm. Yeah, we've got, and then, yeah, you're right. You've got a, a, a Bray who's like going to be chill. He's going to be the one everybody respects, like the, the grandfather type character. Apparently, that's the direction the White Sox go these days with their with their picks. Uh, and then you got Tim, who's never going to sh- Jose's going to have to tell him to be quiet because he's never going to stop talking. He already doesn't stop talking, and he's not the manager. And yeah, Liam, I can just imagine just like catcalling and hooting and call. He's calling the dugout constantly because he wants to be heard. Uh, yeah, that would be a funny little uh, a triumvirate. I, I like I like that power trio. Uh, Better than what we have. <laughs> yes, I like it. Uh, okay, let's wind this up uh, to, I guess, somewhat 
I don't know, boring or traditional. I just had to, as Joe was uh, explaining his managers, I had to go back and read what I wrote to understand what my logic was that had Ricky Renneria returning and winning in this feat of strength. I don't know if it's just a sense of uh, something unjust done to Ricky. The fact that this was the selection, which I think probably Rickon would want to take back, maybe even the firing if he knew it would lead to Tony Lusa a year ago being hired in Ricky's stead. The fact that Tony LaRusso was hired for reasons, I guess, having to do with being a, a wizard of the bullpen or a pitching staff, he invented closers or whatever. Uh, and that maybe not coming to pass and him maybe actually not even doing as well as Ricky Renner with the bullpen. Um, or maybe you just need to, because I'm not buying this thing about the clubhouse being uh, tight and happy. So whatever degree, players are still players and management's management. Tony made it very clear, you know, whatever, who he's got an office. <laughs> the rest of the players have lockers, what a jackass. Uh, so, I mean, it makes it clear that he's like a different dude. Uh, so I'm sure in the club, the clubhouse is still healthy and fun and supportive, but it isn't. And maybe, maybe for better. Uh, maybe Ricky was a little too uh, fatherly to these guys. Maybe that was part of the reason why he was like, oh, we still don't really know why. I don't think it's because he was hunched over in the dugout of uh, game three of the playoffs in 2020. I don't think so. That seems pretty stupid reason to fire somebody. But uh, maybe my thought is to sort of cancel out, to offset the weirdness, as Joe alluded, the Yermin Mercedes weirdness, um, where you've got the biggest stance taken by your current manager is a stance against your home player and a guy who hadn't quite crashed yet. He was in the process perhaps of cooling off and the league catching up with him, but he wasn't there yet. Uh, I don't think. And so I don't think it helped. Um, and then I think to wind things up batting ninth, I think hamster had, uh, Oh yeah. Well, of course. Ozzie <laughs> I like that both of the color people from the post-game show have somehow got their way into the fray here, and they are going to participate in the feats of strength. Uh, and Ozzy, <clears throat> you know he's chomping at the bit. The guy thinks he deserves to manage. He probably thinks he deserves to manage the White Sox. He uh, feels slighted. He felt, I think, that he deserved to have a lifetime contract. Uh, I was doing the beat writing for that um, outlet that employs Ozzy now at the time that he talked himself out of a job. He says now he was very hurt early in the season when he was, when he was sort of left, he was going to be left uh, as a lame duck, like with still a year and a year, almost two years on his contract. That's not really how I think lame duck works, but he thought so. And then the team battled back to, I think, at the start of September, about 500. Finally, the all-in White Sox, they were supposed to run away with the division or at least compete for one. Got to 500 and immediately, as he said, he was angry. <laughs> he didn't have more money or an extension. Yeah, this is going to go well. Uh, a bold call there in the number nine slot, uh, but also not inconceivable because there is a meat uh, headery uh, quotient out there who would make this guy number one choice and in fact in our polling joe you're polling you're polling second i think 20 percent was the last thing i saw not getting a lot of votes on this one compared to saxivist number one but uh but ozzy yes he is not running away with it but ozzy is leading in terms of what people prefer even more than other it's ozzy frightening uh guys ricky ozzy no bloodshed 
Yeah, Ozzy is a little bit of a meme vote, I think, at this point. I think it's, like, funny enough to where people will vote for it. Uh, uh, It's, yeah, that would be entertaining. I will give it that. I mean, not in a good way, but, uh, yeah, it would certainly certainly put the the White Sox, you know, kind of at the center of attention, at least for a little while. You know, Joe, it would finally place proper amount of importance on the run batted in. I don't think it's had enough importance in today's game. So finally, we'll get somebody who sees how important RBIs and RBIs only are. Uh, probably also with Frank, but definitely with Ozzy, because for some reason, you'd think the guy would sort of like be behind the aspects of the game that sort of like he excelled at. But no, it's RBIs for Ozzy too. Well thought out. That's a guy that we probably don't need back in the dugout. Uh, Zach, your take on these uh, final uh, final couple selections? Yeah, man. I mean, Ozzy looks like he's having far too much fun on those those pre and post game shows. A little uh, <laughs> to yeah. to want to be back in the in the manager's office. That I I will say, I think with the just the way that Tony was unceremoniously dropped on our heads to put it one way. I think it does kind of get lost that Ricky wasn't exactly much of a pro analytics guy either. He wasn't a super, he was still pretty old school in Mm -hmm. a lot of senses. Now he did things that he shifted more than Tony. He did a lot of little things that Tony just totally, that's not, I guess that is the comparison we're making here, but Ricky was probably going to be gone either way. And he probably wasn't going to be the answer for the future either way. So I well, I think it's not fair the way that he lost his job for Tony to swoop in. I, I don't think the optics of that are good, and I think it is systemically not very fair. Uh, but also, I'm the nostalgia is not really not really there for me. Um, but it's a low bar. Yeah. I take him back in a heartbeat now yeah. to answer. I yeah. guess so to really answer the question, like yeah, yeah, yeah. I would take it back in a heartbeat. Uh, yeah. So my little piece about nostalgia aside, that's as we can see, you can do a lot worse. Yeah, as you're we- you're exactly right, uh, Zach. Because yeah, Ricky was old school. The one way he wasn't, maybe I guess you could say this, is that he was a guy who uh did have that relationship with the players he's sort of like the players came up with them they really love it I, I would think if i was uh if i was ricky right now and i heard tim anderson talking about tony la Russa the way tim anderson talked about me i would actually would be pretty hurt i mean because i think well wait we, first of all just the amount of time we had together much less i had to be different a different figure to you than Tony LaRussa, that would actually sort of tick me off. I'm sure he doesn't care. He's still getting paid to getting paid to make ceviche right now. Who knows how many more years? <laughs> Apparently he had an extension that was somewhat healthy. So he's getting paid, I think beyond even beyond even this year. But uh, yeah, I mean, you're right to point out. I mean, there's no, there's no glow of like, Oh yeah, he was really, you know, he was advanced. They wouldn't have sent out the release with AJ Hinch, Hinch's uh, 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 signature if they were leaning toward, if, if Rick Hahn was leaning toward where's the next old school guy I can get who's not Ricky. Which at the same time, I will be a little more fair and say that I think you're right. The, the personality management is important. I think in some circumstances, it's probably more important than your actual tactical decisions. Um, and yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> we lost out on two phases of the game to put it one way, the, the people, the people managing and the tactical management. If, 
Ricky, Ricky might not have been so awesome on the tactical management, but he was definitely good on the people management. So I've, again, we've seen, we've seen what some of the alternatives are. So it's hard to, it's hard to not miss that a little bit. And, and not at all to relitigate 800 podcasts of last off season, but here's the thing. You can say AJ, Hint, a lot of AJ Hints leaves a bad taste in a lot of people's mouth. What he's done in Detroit, the team was good. What he did with them, what he's been, his attitude toward the media is creepy and sick for this young, like, whatever hip, hip analytics guy, lame. Uh, he's not, a, I don't want him either. The problem is there's like a thousand choices in between Tony La Russa, Ricky Renneria, Lou Pinella, Hawk Harrelson, and AJ Hinch. Uh, and we didn't talk to any of them except Willie Harris. We did talk to Willie Harris. Somehow Willie Harris didn't get the job. Go figure. Uh, this is phase two, dear listeners, readers, and Southside Sox office. This is phase two of Sox's. There is more to come. Now, I've been hearing the strange buzz from Tommy. He didn't show up to actually defend himself and, and speak on this. But Jackie and him were discussing this some saxophist poll or saxophist miracles. I don't know what that's about. That could well be developing as we speak. I don't know yet. I don't know everything that goes on with this site. A lot of stuff happens. And I say, oh, wow, look at that. That showed up. Pretty cool. Hey, all right. I like it. It was a good read. Uh, but I do know that we will say an extension of the Saxivist holiday will be something we have done in the past. This isn't new. This isn't a Tommy Barbie kind of blue production is our favorite games of the year, our least favorite games of the year. We've done that with Southside Hitman. We're going to do it this year with Southside Sax. Now, I don't know if it leaps ahead of Saxivist poll or Saxivist miracles or whatever other Saxivist thing Tommy decides to come up with or Jackie. Uh, but at least those two things are coming. I can't speak to the other saxophists. I mean, I, again, I'm just, I'm not religious enough to know all the customs. So people are going to have to be patient with me and explain in language I can very, very easily understand. But who knows? We could have still a month. We could literally almost take ourselves to the Kwanzaa and, and Hanukkah and Christmas and pagan Christmas season with our extended saxophist holiday. And guys, I hope you've you've participated so far and i hope whatever i decide to throw at you say in the next day or two you'll decide to seize on as well because your entries have been entertaining and it's been great participation from both of you and many of our other writers thank you my pleasure i promise there will be less violence <laughs> in, in my miracle i want you to i want you to work a bat rack in you've got to work a bat rack in zach somehow it's the closest uh, approximation to an oak tree i don't know if i'll need an oak tree in my next analogy but true. Hey, remains to be seen who knows maybe there'll be like a, a wonder boy forged out of a fallen tree or something i don't know if it's a saxophist miracle who's to say uh okay everybody thanks for being part of our little saxophist celebration future saxophist miracles it's a saxophist miracle we even had this podcast number 69 we're going to conclude it now i'm brett valentini on behalf of super joseph Rhesus down there in indianapolis and zach hayes he of the oak tree bat rack tail uh please enjoy the rest of our festivus programming more is to come so stay tuned thank you for listening and reading and sometimes even watching we appreciate your attention especially here in the off season when things get a little slow we're going to keep throwing stuff at you hopefully you 